You're constantly learning. Every day or every hour, you're in a different meeting about a different subject. And so it's fresh, it's new, it's fun, it's exciting. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to The Fluent Show. Oh my gosh, a podcast about learning languages and reaching your potential. Hello, hello. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk. And here on the show, we talk about languages, communication, curiosity, and enriching your lives, our lives, our lives, that's what my text says, enriching your life and mine, ours, <laughs> through the challenge of learning something new. Welcome, welcome to this episode. Um, it is an unexpected episode. The podcast is not back. And I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> why? <laughs> How and why am I making another episode of The Fluent Show? And I don't really want to talk about this every single time I make another one. And what came to my mind is we as language learners know something called maintenance mode, right? We often think about maintenance mode and maintenance mode is sort of considered this um, this space where you've really reached a level where you're quite good at a language and you've done a lot of the things that you wanted to do and you're not wanting to work super hard on it anymore and you're not constantly adding, which is how I feel about the Fluent Show. I don't want to be adding to it anymore um, as such but every now and then you dip back in and every now and then you check how you're doing and every now and then you do a little bit just to keep everything ticking over and um, I feel like probably for the rest of my life we are going to be in fluent show maintenance mode um, so this is a maintenance mode episode how do you all like that um, and also I've got a guest today that I am interviewing and we are working together on a new project I want to tell you about my guest is Josh, and so we can also kind of blame Josh, but he's so interesting that I, I just wanted to bring him in and like do this interview with him. So this is where we are. Um, first of all, hello, Josh. How are you doing? Hello, hello, Kirsten. Thanks a ton for having me on the show and for bringing back the show so we can talk about AI and language learning. I'm Love so it. excited. <laughs> I'm not bringing it back. We are in maintenance mode for bringing it back for maintenance mode that's it do you know like you're you're an extremely multilingual person you're a nine language person do do you know maintenance mode is that something that you um identify with and from that description definitely mm. it's key it's also key for professional linguists for for translators and interpreters we have to keep up our languages you know you hit a point where they're good enough but you still have to keep learning and maintaining your languages. It's it's key. That's it. Yeah. And it's also, you still kind of want to dip back in. Like if I take this podcast as an example, I'm not never interested anymore about any of the topics that I would have normally talked about just because I'm not making fluent show episodes about them. So the interest is still there. The love is still there. Every now and then we, we get back together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, listeners... Since this is just a maintenance mode episode as well, I just wanted to let you know we've got we haven't got any sponsors. We haven't got any sponsors in this episode. Um, it's just me and Josh. So if 
anything at all, you want to support the the show, you're enjoying the episode, you want to know more about me or about Josh, we have got our websites in the show notes. And like I said, my website is fluentlanguage.co.uk and just have a look around there. Maybe dip into the language habit system, my sort of main course, favorite course ever. Um, not going to massively promote this to you, but would love for you to have a look. And I'm going to just go straight in and introduce my guest. So my guest for today is Josh Goldsmith. And Josh has been my buddy sort of on the entrepreneurial business building side for quite a while. So we've worked together in a sort of coaching, mentoring type of relationship and both as people who've got businesses in the language space. But Josh's business, which is called Tech Forward, but is written Tech Forward. Oh, it's a fun. <laughs> so it's <laughs> Tech Forward, if you want to look it up. Um, Josh's business is not about language learning as such, but it is for interpreters and translators. And generally, Josh, I think is super, super impressive. Uh, an interpreter with credentials from the UN. Oh my God, that's such a... <laughs> I'm already like, what? Who am I, why am I talking to you? Okay, so an interpreter with credentials from the UN, from the EU, a successful entrepreneur with this whole tech forward thing, and just an all-round happy, sunny soul. So Josh, <laughs> how are you doing? Great. Th thank you very much for the glowing introduction, Kirsten. And it's been a huge pleasure to work together and learn so much from you and with you over the years that we've known each other. Yeah. Do you want to give the listeners a quick sense of what Tech Forward is about? Sure. Um, Tech Forward is all about empowering people who work with languages, language professionals usually, so translators, interpreters, copywriters, and so on, to keep up with the changing times, to learn about the newest innovations that can help us with our work. And from your voice and your accent, I think listeners might already guess it, you are not, you know, you, you're based in Europe, but you're not actually... You didn't grow up in Europe yourself, so you are... Where are you from? Florida. Yeah, the Sunshine American. State. <laughs> the Sunshine State in the US of A. So I find this especially fascinating. Um, and you said to me earlier, you're not the only um, interpreter, you know, at the UN or in the institutions or in Europe who is an American with very high language skills. But I still think given the majority of English native speakers, it's very unusual. Um, so before I dig fully into asking that about that, I've got so many questions. This is the longest interview ever. Um, I want to just let you all know, listeners, that Josh is my partner for the new language learning project that we bring you. Um, and when, when I say he's my partner, he totally talked me into it. And then I talked myself into it as well. Um, but we're trying out a really interesting new thing. And it's called AI Language Club. It starts next month. And Josh, do you want to go to do the da-da? Ta-da! <laughs> sure, the AI Language Club is about using artificial intelligence to boost your language skills. And um, yeah, we'll talk more about it today during the course of the podcast. But basically, it's just so much fun to play with these tools. And as you and I were, were digging into them and chatting about this. We were just going to do like a one-off training about this. And we realized that there is so much exciting stuff to dig into around using artificial intelligence for 
keeping up maintaining our languages and also improving them. So that is what the project is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I remember having a conversation with you where I said, I don't think this is a I don't think this is a one-off training session. This is not <laughs> Oh my god, what are we building here? I think it's I think it's a much bigger thing. <laughs> but you want to, you know, when you have a subject matter like this, when you've got something that you want to teach about and play with, I think you really want to do it justice with the structure uh, and making it a club, I think is really really exciting. Okay. All right, let's take a step back. So listeners, as you can already tell, um, entrepreneur person, idea person, absolute tech nerd, but also um, interpreter. Like you are still a professional practicing interpreter. Have I got that right? Yes, of course. Love oh. it. Oh my gosh. Um, so wh what's that like? What's that like building in along with Tech Forward and doing the project with me? How on earth do you make it all work together? I've always loved languages and working with languages and working with words. And over the course of my career, I worked as a translator for many years. I trained to become an interpreter. Um, before I started, I mean, I've always been a teacher too, but before, before we, I started Tech Forward, I was already working in interpreting and teaching colleagues about the cool stuff we could do with technology. And I wouldn't, ever want to let go of that and so i'm i'm still interpreting and i love it i really split my time pretty evenly between the interpreting and the teaching with the occasional translation gig thrown in there do you interpret just fully freelance then yeah yeah, yeah. i'm a freelance interpreter um and so that's also quite helpful i mean i'm not sure if everybody knows this but interpreters tend to work by the job which can be for a day or two days or a week And so that's usually what it looks like for me. Some days I block out and they're just for interpreting or I'm off on mission somewhere in Strasbourg and Brussels, traveling the world interpreting. And other days uh, I'm interpreting from home. And other days I am working on d being a geek, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and what are your languages? Right. So obviously English is my native language. And professionally, I also work with Spanish, French, Italian, Catalan, and Portuguese. Those are the languages in what's called my language combination. So the languages I work from when interpreting. And I also have dabbled in quite a few other languages. I lived briefly in Israel, so my Hebrew used to be really strong, especially when I was there. I studied German quite a bit. I've dabbled in other Slavic languages, other Semitic languages, even a tiny bit of sign language. Um, but yeah, those are the ones I work with professionally. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask just a, a little bit about, I'm always so interested. So we've got, what, young Josh, and um, I don't know whether you knew, like most people, most of us language people don't really grow up sort of 10 years old going, I'm going to be an <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even know what it was. No, right? You don't, you sort of realize that, that this is something you love, but I certainly never realized um, until maybe middle of my teenage years that there might be a career option with languages. And even then it was sort of like, teacher, maybe? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for me too. As a teen, the only language career I knew of was being a language teacher. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got to college that I even heard about this translation and interpreting thing, believe it or not. And I was like, wow, I'm not, not prepared for that. And I, 
<laughs> at least for interpreting. And I ended up um, doing lots of other things, teaching languages, working as a translator for many years before I went back to interpreting school in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, it was also um, secretary because I grew up so near Luxembourg, right? So we'd always, in our local paper, like the newspaper where the job ad section was, that wasn't just in German. That always said, you should also be able to speak French and English. So it was really clear that if you want some kind of admin job in Luxembourg where the wages are high, you you need more languages. That was sort of there and being a being a woman, um <laughs> like I did secretarial training. I really, I really it's not that only women did it, but we had one guy in the class of 40. So um and he he was funded. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's very right. much like a a stereotypical women's job, sort of being a secretary and doing all the touch typing and all that stuff. So for you, how early in your life, if you if you think back, if you remember, did you did you know you love languages? Is there a moment? Did you because you said you grew up monolingual? At definitely elementary school. I mean, we I think we started Spanish and I don't know kindergarten or first grade or second grade or something like that. Um, and I just knew that I loved this class and I loved the language. And um, by the end of high school, I was doing Spanish and French um, and doing Italian on my own. So I, I, I've always known. Did you come up against any parental expectations going like, no, you're going to be a, you're going to have a real job, sensible job? I don't think we really talked about languages and their link to jobs. Uh -huh. it, it's not really a thing in the US, or at least it wasn't when I was growing up to say, oh, by learning languages, it's going to help you with your jobs. My, my parents always supported me and they said, you should do whatever you love, but but I wanted to do all sorts of other things uh, at other points in my life that weren't weren't working with languages. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so we know, or like we, I love I love this conversation, right? Or like one of the things I love about your background, why I want to focus on it for a little bit at least, is that really here we have the classic route of linguist careers. You know, like the teaching, the um, interpreting, the translating. It's sort of the um, my parents would always would say, or like people would say to me, like, what can you do with languages? And it's like, these are the things that come to everybody's mind when in reality, of course, you know, like you are showing, and I guess I am showing, we can be very creative entrepreneurs and we can do all sorts of different stuff. Um, but for you, you know, you, you've got this kind of career path that is, I think, very interesting to lots of listeners. So I feel like I would be, I would really be missing out something if I didn't ask about the UN and EU angle of this in particular, because as far as I'm aware, this is really among the best jobs that you can get as an interpreter and translator. It's fairly reliable, even if you're freelance, it pays well. Uh, so what's the goss? Is it is it as good? What's the I put what's the goss in my notes. I didn't even think like, maybe Josh doesn't know what I mean. So what's the gossip? I didn't know what it meant. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's the gossip? Um, is it as good as it looks from the outside? I love the work I do for institutions. It's really interesting. Um, it's very high level. You really feel like you're having an impact on the world and helping to shape what, what's going on. I mean, one example, I, I work a lot at the European Union, the European Parliament, and there I've been part, I mean, obviously I'm not the one negotiating, but I'm interpreting for meetings about 
roaming, which, you know, there's no longer roaming fees in Europe or bringing an end to single-use plastics and so many other topics that have a real impact on our life. And it's, it's great to be there in the thick of it, just, you know, playing a very small part. And another thing I really love about interpreting is you're constantly learning. Every day or every hour, you're in a different meeting about a different subject. And so it's fresh, it's new, it's fun, it's exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got another episode that I'm going to link in the show notes where I spoke to Paul Kay, who who is slash was. Um, he is an, a translator at the EU. Um, it was really interesting because we, we sort of dug into the introverts and extroverts situation because I said to him I translated once and I absolutely hated it and every single time I've done interpreting practice or I've done interpreting I have been madly in love with it um, because it's it's much more jumpy aroundy in your brain and it's just so much more it felt really suited to who I am whereas translation was I don't know why I did a master's in translation because um, it was there and it was language and I loved it Okay, so <laughs> um, I I will link that that um, episode because it does explain a little bit about the procedure of um, getting this type of work or getting this type of gig, um, particularly in the EU. But Josh, for you, if somebody is interested in this and they're qualified and they think um, interpreting, maybe it's for me and maybe I can get in on this like great work, uh, what's your biggest tip for people who want to take the route into institutional interpreting? If you want to work at the institutions, you probably need a master's degree mm -hmm. in interpreting. That wasn't the case 20 or 30 years ago, but it pretty much is the case right now. Um, familiar, what, do, do your degree, work really hard. It's the hardest thing I ever did, and I went to an Ivy League school, and this was harder. Uh, it's a lot of hours, a lot of practice, a lot of working on both your native language and your other languages, working on fluency and communication, um, and then once it comes time to prepare for the actual accreditation tests, just a lot of practicing, a lot of listening to yourself, recording yourself, listening back to your work, listening to the work of other professional or professional interpreters. I've got quite a few blog posts about this, about where to find good resources, about how to prepare for these. So I can give you the links to some of those and you can pop them in the show notes too. Yeah. I actually have an entire course called the Interpreter's Practice Toolkit, which is all about all of the different strategies that I used to graduate interpreting school and prepare for and pass the EU and UN accreditation exams. Lots of fun tech geeky things in there too, but also some mindset and strategy around how, how you prepare for such a big test. Amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to link to that. So ah, it's a classic like... Um you know like deconstructing and sharing really what helped you get your academic success and that big success so it's yeah that sounds fascinating i might i might dig into it myself for a little bit okay <laughs> i, I want to talk tech though right okay so let's dig into technology which which to me it's always um it's, it's really interesting when somebody's like really into the tech and you really are like, you're sort of like, oh, and then I found this thing and it can do this thing and look at what this thing can do. Um, I find that really fascinating. Um, and you obviously run, like you've chosen not to run like an interpreting uh, language skills group or something like that. You specifically focus on technology for translators and interpreters. So you've from 
looking back at your career, you've worked on this for eight, nine years now. Why do you think it's really important for language professionals to engage with technology? Like what, what is it in that particular branch and for us as linguists? Technology helps us do our jobs better. But, but let, I mean, let's back up. I'm so glad to have, born and ha to have been born when I was born because for me, if I get thrown into a meeting about a new subject, I can just hop on the internet and start reading about it. And that's technology. We use it every day in our lives, right? Most people have a smartphone or an iPad and they'll start looking into any subject to learn about it. So tech is helping us to have access to all of the knowledge that's out there in the world. And and I think, I mean, that that's really what it's about for me is just being able to learn stuff and to do our jobs better. Uh, for, for the language professionals listening in here, you you can have a glossary, right? A collection of words and their equivalents and maybe how they're used that when you go back to talking about, I don't know, nuclear power, which you haven't interpreted about in years or translated about, you've already got that glossary stored in some sort of a digital format, hopefully, and you can use that as a starting point for your work. And then when you're translating and you get to that word in the original, your tool can say, oh, here's the equivalent because you spent hours researching this before and here it is. So um, it, it saves us a lot of time. I think it's pretty much omnipresent in translation now. Almost all translators use computer-assisted translation tools, CAT tools for their work. And That hasn't always been the case in interpreting. It's slowly but surely we're seeing more uptake of technology in interpreting. But yeah, I'm a fan because it can help us do our work better, be more efficient, um, be more accurate. And it's also a lot of fun, <laughs> at least as far as I'm concerned. Mm, it's... I, th I think you're making a really good case for it. So it's a lot of fun. It, it makes our work easier. And something that you've you've highlighted then as well that I think is interesting for language learners too um, is this idea of a lot of the research being at your fingertips. And we as language learners typically already work with this a lot. So uh, there's just so much that, that kind of came to mind when I started thinking about tech in language learning. And it starts with sort of the first resource people like just... You know, but what do most people do when they start learning a new language? Most people, I mean, you know, not not my listeners, not just my listeners, but like everyone, you download Duolingo. Like these days, that is almost your natural first place where you start. Maybe you go to the bookshop and have a look around, but Duolingo is really quickly getting itself in there. And the resources you have, the sort of audiovisual, a standard, you, you, they're much more mobile on your smartphone. I find a lot of learners that I work with now, sort of when I do coaching clients or people who take the, people who work with the language habit system often really like that there's a way in there to organize your resources. So it used to be, I've got my book and I've got maybe one video that my teacher wheels into school, like, you know, on a on one of them wheelie televisions and that's um, <laughs> Sounds like dark I age. remember that. But like, yeah, we remember and the that. Boom box, the boombox. The teacher's carrying in the boombox with a tape. Oh my God. A cassette. How exciting is it when they come in? Rewind and find the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, for me, I did um, one interpreting module. I did translation and interpreting module in my university. 
which is not an Ivy League university, very, very much not. So it, and it wasn't focused on kind of so cutting edge, but they did have this like lab thing. This is like early 2000s, 2003. Um, and I remember doing this um, training, like like practicing it. And we just had very little access to this place and just tried it out. Um, and we had this tape player system where you had like two tape players and it would play you the tape and then you do the interpreting and it, the next tape player records you. Um, and then you can listen back to yourself and, you know, listen to how you did it and hand in the tape to your to your tutor. And it was um, it was awesome. It was awesome. So kind of, I think technology is much more involved in language learning than we think in both the like opportunities that we have to practice, in the way that we bring in knowledge, um, in the way we organize ourselves. So I'm thinking something I'm doing at the moment that is super techy actually is um, I'm I've just started working on um, no actually I started working at the start of the year but I'm just mega slow. Um, I'm doing a Notion version of the language habit system course which is sort of this way of organizing yourself and people have always said to me i want this as an app and i'm like i don't know how i'm not going to pay 20, 20 grand to get someone to make an app that maybe then nobody buys like whereas this way technology has advanced to the point where i can start offering my students this thing and we're working on so it's just so so amazing and then they can have it as an app by just downloading the notion app yes! and working with it. I mean, there are so many tools out there already. I'm not a person who's going out and designing tools. I'm the person who goes and looks for stuff we are we are already using in our mm -hmm. lives or can use very easily to help us with our languages. And I mean, what you were just talking about, recording yourself, is also something that's great for language learners. And it's so much easier now than it used to be. Now you just pick up your smartphone and hit the record button with the built-in app and you can record yourself and then you hit the play button and listen back to it. Uh, and, and there are so many great tools out there. A, a lot of people, when they hear I do tech, they say to me, well, that's big and scary and I'm not interested in technology and I'm not good at technology. And my answer is, but you've got a smartphone, you're using it, you're going on the internet, you're looking stuff up. We have all of this stuff at our fingertips, and and I've I mean I'm a I'm a teacher at heart, and I'm always I've always been about making things as accessible and easy to understand as possible, and and that's and help using tools out there to help us with our learning and and our work, and that's that's why I love technology and innovation. I know it's sort of it's interesting because like one of my new courses that I made this year is literally um, it's. It's about building your language learning journal. So it's like, here's how to do pen and paper language learning. But even in that, I've got a little extra lesson in there. That's like, and let's face it, like we're all working digitally. Here, is, here are different ways of mixing the digital with the analog. And you're so right. Like, even if you're a pen and paper person, which I usually I would describe myself as, as a woman who runs a business online, it's silly, right? But like, we're already using it. We're already using it. So it's much more about how do we identify with this. And um, one thing I think that we're both really interested in that brought us to this AI language club idea is AI, you know, like, the, so so this idea of uh, artificial, artificial intelligence, which maybe is a silly name for it or like a misnomer. Um, but we've, we've both been using it for, for many many years and i think as a language person um it, our relationship with ai tools actually goes back way longer than 
oh, ChatGPT gets released and now we're all looking at how we can use ChatGPT. Um, so I do really want to talk about AI because it's just a fascinating new development. And I think the opportunities and the, um, I don't know what, what's open to us as language learners. It's really easy to shut down in your mind and go, I don't know, it's not, you know, I don't want, I don't know how to do it or it's not safe or, or to just do, oh yes, and now I can talk, I can have a one conversation with ChatGPT and without examining kind of, you know, more learning integrated ways of doing it. So anyway, I'm, I'm going off on, on like my excitement about the, this AI option. Um, but I want to take a second and just really ask you as somebody who's engaged with this a lot, like you've been doing AI education um, all year at least, and, and probably for 12 months or more. So you've really dug into this. Can you give sort of an intro, like what, what is AI in the way that we're thinking about it right now? And how does, how does the thing work? Is it, is it intelligent? Is it robots? Sure. I'll try to, I'll try to stay away from the geeky technical side of things and just explain it in common English. So as you rightly said, this builds on work that we've been doing for decades, even though we only saw the first application of AI with ChatGPT, we've been slowly building towards the, the models that allowed us to create ChatGPT for years and years and years. And basically, computing power has gotten a lot a lot more powerful, and we are able to create these huge, huge databases of high-quality writing and high-quality translation and draw on these databases to extrapolate. That's that's basically what AI is doing. So it's, it's called an LLM, a large language model, because it has a huge amount of data, linguistic data available to it, and it can try to find the patterns there. And I mean, we've seen this in, in things that are not AI or we didn't think of as AI for for years now. Some of you might remember when the, the Gmail users out there might remember when Smart Compose first came out and the, the tool was completing our sentences for us analyzing what we tended to say and then filling in a potential ending to the sentence in your email based on what people tend to say in those contexts. And and that's that's sort of like a stepping stone to where AI is now. The real breakthrough with ChatGPT is that instead of AI doing its thing in the background or um, being helpful for translators and translation memories or trying to extract terms for interpreters where we look at huge databases and then say, oh, these words are the most common, so they're probably the terms here. Nowadays, you don't need a fancy tool to get there. You just work usually with a chatbot that seems like talking to a human being. And you write a question in natural language in lots of languages, not just in English, but in dozens or hundreds of languages, um, and you'll get an answer. And that's that's what AI is doing. It's using all of that data that it has, and the, the, the skills to write well, to communicate and sound like a human interlocutor, to, to be a, a conversation partner, but give you answers to the questions you, that you're looking for. Mm. And it's not just like something that you've, you've already highlighted there. Like, it's not like uh, ChatGPT came out and that's 
that is AI, you know, like AI is now suddenly um, exists because the the big free tool that is that is pretty much open to anyone with internet. That's not that doesn't mean there is AI now. And one of the things that you've really introduced me to is the amount of different tools and how they all work differently. So, for example, I didn't know that Notion AI uses a completely different protocol thingy. You know, it doesn't use GPT; it uses something else. Um, so it it'll always work slightly differently. Um, but for in, when it comes to language learning, you know, I wanted to talk about like why AI capabilities so by ai we really mean this sort of generative language thing is so relevant and is such a huge opportunity for us right now um beyond just you know the obvious one which is just free practice conversation you know there's now a robot that speaks your target language and you can just go in and go hello be my tutor and off we go um, but it, it's also like, and it has the advantages of a robot. Like it doesn't get tired <laughs> of asking you questions. It doesn't get tired of listening to your mistake. Um, and it, it pretends that you're having a conversation and it uses kind of realistic fillers. So you've got a little bit more of a human type um, interaction than you've ever been able to to use before. Um, and there's, you know, there's also the opportunity of fast corrections because it knows what the... Um, I'm going to call it correct. Like it knows what the correct um, structure that you're trying to build looks like. So to a certain extent, it it can guess what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, well, for you, what attracts language learners to AI? You know, one of the things that I think is most interesting is that we're not limited in what we can learn about. If you go the traditional route, you've got a textbook and chapter one is, I don't know, how to introduce yourself in chapter two, you you know, the food and lists of streets and directions. And, you know, they tend to be the same thing. And AI lets us learn about what we want to learn about. We can get materials at our level, whatever it is, in dozens of languages on whatever topic that we want to learn about. And I mean, that can be, you know, food. It can be the history of Guatemala it can be um, the Kazakh language. It can be the etymology of words in Japanese or the different, uh, the way that the writing systems work in different languages. The, literally, the entire world of information is now available. And if we know how to work with AI, we can use it to get materials that are at the level that we're at. So uh, it's 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 truly incredible. That That's one of the neatest things for me and then of course it's just a lot of fun um you can get ai to write you stories you can get ai to play 20 questions with you to correct your writing as you were saying for the more grammatically oriented folks out there but also uh, to, to i don't know write you a poem where every other line is in a different language like one line is in english and the next line isn't I don't know romance and then the next line is in English and back and forth and back and forth and it's giving you maybe a translation of what those are as well it can pull out a list of vocab for you about a topic you want to learn it can it can AI so chat GPT can't search the internet but there are other AI tools that can and it can give you a list of the best YouTube videos in French uh, to learn a 
about whatever topic you pick, right? Current affairs or Verlon, right? Slang, whatever it might be, you can literally in seconds have access to the information that you want to learn about. So that's just some of the fun things that we've we've been discovering mm. as we've been playing with AI. Yeah, I mean, gosh, you, you, you bring it in the list of like the most exciting things as well, or like some of the most exciting things. So we've we've been behind the scenes really cooking up so many different ideas. It's really fun. And I agree with you. And one of the things I love as well is that when you practice with AI, like one of the things I have always struggled with with students, and I get it, I really get it, is um, typically we say, okay, there's four core skills, listening, reading, speaking, writing. Um, everybody's got fantastic listening skills because, um, or like everybody, you know, has a lot of listening input and has this opportunity to practice their listening skills. It's not always um, a lot of input in a, you know, at a level that is a bit higher than necessarily you need or more input suddenly makes you a fantastic listener but like listening skills people usually go ah yeah sorted i can practice that easily um reading skills yeah cool fine sorted uh speaking skills okay i know what to do i'm gonna get me get myself a tutor da, 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 da. and then i say so are you doing any writing and they're like nah nah because we think writing has to look like deep emotional journaling or um you know, like the, the classic, like write an essay on blah, 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 or write a presentation. And it, it, sound, it just sounds so cumbersome. Whereas with a lot of the AI tools that we have, not all of them, because we, we're gonna, we've played around a lot with what kind of prompts you can give them and how you can put it all together. Um, but what it, what it does allow you to do is write, do writing practice as much as you want, as much as you need, and with almost instant reward which is feedback or a reply from something that looks like it understood you um and i just love like that's one of my that's one of my like really points of excitement is that writing practice is finally fun we've made it yay <laughs> so i can I, give people when i talk about the core skills i can give people that kind of core skill point um let's talk about ai language club let's let's just um go there and um explain a little bit more you've already talked about like the different ideas that we have um where we've talked about where our idea came from really is we we wanted to do a training about ai and language learning with, between the two of us you know like josh being really a tech enthusiast and me being kind of a learning lover as well and just you know fascinated by all the opportunities uh can you tell people what it became and why now is like such a great time to do it. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, yeah, we started brainstorming uh, for a, a short little training about artificial intelligence for language learners. And then we realized maybe we need to have three because they're different levels. <laughs> and then we, then, then it just kept spiraling and spi And then we just had it uh, like a week where we just threw ideas at each other. And we were like, Oh, look at this cool thing I can do with Bing and look at this cool thing I can do with Bard. And, and it just started spiraling and spiraling until we realized that we want that that if we tried to present it as a traditional training, it would be way too much, and it also wouldn't be very useful for language learners. So we did the thing that I really like to do: is take it and break it down into bite-sized chunks and short little ideas that stand alone that are you know f like five minutes where you can learn about a new tool or a new way to use AI. And we, once we started doing this, we realized we had over 50 ideas already and the list just keeps growing and growing and growing. And we said, how can we make this really interesting and fun for language learners and, and for us? And we realized that 
if you got a new fun idea every week in your email, a little video and some ideas for exercises, how cool would that be? And that's how the idea for the AI Language Club came about. And then that's basically what it's going to look like is every single week we're going to share a new short video, one you can watch on your own at any time. It'll be in English, but it'll be captioned, so you'll be able to work through it regardless of your level in English and other languages. It'll apply to just about any language, and it will be fun and easy to access. And and yeah, that that's sort of how we got to where we are with the AI Language Club. What did I, what did I miss, Kirsten? <laughs> It's just, I'm sat here like sort of giggling to myself and like, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it is a really exciting project. And I've never done anything quite like this before. So it's quite an exciting one for me to try out. Um, it's really, yeah. So just to recap, like our plan is to introduce different tools. We're not just going to, we're not the chat GPT club. We are going to show you different tools. And like Josh mentioned some to me the other day where I'm like, what? what is that one? What does that one do? And like, you've introduced me to at least two AI tools I never knew about. Um, and then we'll show you our ideas of what works best with them. And for me, something that is really important, usually always with, with um, I say usually and always, always, to be honest, with language learners, is um, that if we just stick to monotonous things, like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to open up the chat GPT and I'm just going to talk to it for five minutes a day, that's nice, but typically I have found learners just don't stick with that kind of thing. Like you really quickly get bored and it's much, much better to just throw lots of ideas around at the start and really see what sticks with you naturally and what you naturally want to do. So I'm excited because we are, one of the things I love so much is options and we're going to give you lots and lots of different options, but in a, we've found a format that isn't overwhelming. You don't have to tie yourself into one particular tool or research. You know, it's like you don't have to subscribe to a specific system. Um, this gives you like the way I really love teaching, which like Josh says, like really make it small and accessible, but also give you lots of di lots of different options and make it like a like I, I was thinking like a sandbox. You know, like if you're <laughs> in the playground, you sort of you know you can build lots of different things. So it's kind of maybe Lego or I don't know. Pick your own analogy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, another thing that, that I'm really excited about is that we're going to eventually get everything grouped together into little categories or collections where it won't just be speaking, reading, like you'll be able to filter the database and I want a speaking exercise, sure, but you'll also be able to be like, well, I want to learn about music. I love music. How can I use AI to focus on music? Or I love cooking. How can I use AI for all sorts of exercises related to language learning and cooking oh, or yeah. social media? I, I love I'm AI language in the kitchen. It's just like, haha. <laughs> yeah, or just for playing or for whatever it might be. I, we've got all these fun little dorky categories. I mean, for preparing for conversations with a person you're going to be speaking with or with uh, with a tutor, for learning more about culture, um, for digging into words and their etymologies and how to write and rewrite and write like Shakespeare and so on. We called that category word nerd for the moment. So um, yeah, lot, lots. it's fun. It's going to be, I, I don't know, now I'm starting to wax poetic over here. I probably should say that... We're raving about AI, but it has limitations. 
And we'll be talking about those too. Where it messes up, where it's not perfect, which tools work better for certain things than others as well. So mm. it's not a silver bullet. Privacy, security, we, we are definitely addressing that. Oh, oh, I can talk about that for hours. Well, some people know I have talked about that for hours. So <laughs> we'll be talking about all of those things in the club too. Absolutely. So that's kind of that's the idea, listeners. Um, and what's really left for us to say on that particular bit is um, it's not, doors are not open right now. Um, however, we've got a little wait list for it. And if you are interested, this sounds interesting to you. Um, we'd love to get lots and lots of people. <laughs> Josh was like, don't say lots and lots of people. But I'm like, here I am saying, I'd love to get lots and lots of people Um tell me if they are interested in this or not. And the way to tell us you're interested is really to go to ailanguageclub.com and sign up to the waiting list. And then you can have a look at it and you can get a little peek when it's ready and we'll let you know when it's ready. We're hoping for end of September. And um, then you can kind of join in and try it out for yourself. Uh, so have I got the website right? ailanguageclub.com, yeah? ailanguageclub.com, oh. you betcha. <laughs> Awesome. And if you're listening to this at some point later, uh, go to AILanguageClub.com and see if it's open yet. <laughs> see if we managed to make it a thing. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely happening. We are we're we we're too excited about this to not make it happen. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing that we're playing around with. And I honestly think that like what a what a stroke of luck in a way to like this isn't something I would have done by myself, which is something I love about doing partnerships, the same with you know, women in language and Teacher Thrive and everything I've done as a collaboration with other people is sort of, I, I couldn't have done this myself, um, but was a stroke of luck to be doing it with, you know, a, a, a tech nerdy professional interpreter and to be able to bring my listeners and like my generally my audience this. Uh, so it's really, really cool type of thing, really exciting. Um, also just wanted to say if you are a professional interpreter or aspiring professional interpreter or translator, uh, generally, Josh's work at Tech Forward is something that I would recommend for you to check out. I've been recommending Josh for years, and the feedback I've had from people who I've sent to you has been like super, super positive. People really excited about what's on offer out there because I think it's a slightly different angle and a different way to think about um, interpreting and translation than you look at from the outside. That like you're really in there and um, doing it with people. And that's something I really, really enjoy. Like you, the way that you teach is from this place of I'm doing this too. Yay. You know, um, and it's fascinating. Plus all this sort of positivity. So tech forward um, again, listeners, you know me, it's all going to be in the show notes. And the episode number for this is 242. Um, so it's the second one in maintenance mode. <laughs> and you can get all of that at fluent.show slash 242. Uh, Josh is at techforward.com. But really, honestly, where I want to send you most of all uh, is this ailanguageclub.com website. Just have a look at it and um, would love to know if you're interested. And if you are not and you're not wanting to sign up, um, why don't you email me? Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N at fluentlanguage.co.uk and tell me why because that's also really, really interesting. I just love this. Like we're in a world at the moment. We're in this space where it's a really great time to have a debate and have a discussion about AI and language learning and I want to know either way. I want to know either way. Um, so that is sort of, sorry, I'm sort of coming to the end of uh, <laughs> Fluent Show in maintenance mode. Um, but Josh, I'm going to give you the final word first of all. I'm going to just like let you 
tell me one thing, and that is sort of a question I ask lots and lots of fluent language guests, which is if you could change one thing about either your own languages or how language learning is done in the world, how people see language learning, anything, if you could change one thing about language learning, what would it be? This is a surprise question. You didn't tell me this one was coming. <laughs> I always forget to tell people, sorry. <laughs> um, I think I kind of already shared this. Language learning should not be boring memorization of grammar rules and plowing through textbooks and rote learning. It should be fun. And, and it can be so much more accessible now thanks to the rise of the internet and thanks to AI and all these other great tools out there. So there's no reason. And it, and we shouldn't be giving up on our languages because we hit these boring traditional roadblocks that you have to overcome. We should be finding ways to, to make language learning tailored, to tailor it to our own interests. And that's that's really, I think, yeah, key for me as a language learner to get out there to have fun to learn about the stuff you're interested in and to never ever stop learning because it's yeah that, that there we go <laughs> very much same very much the same wavelength as me like I, i've previously um discussed with people and sometimes people say like yeah i say oh language learning should be fun and i can see them i can see their face being like no you're clearly living in fairyland it should be work you know, it should be, you've got to do, you've got to put in the work. And I always thought, well, actually, no. And through my retreats and through everything I've done with language learners, I have found that actually your brain le learns really, really well when you're having fun because your emotional links to um, memory are unlocked and your inhibitions are a little bit different and just, you know, you do better. Okay, Josh, one last thing I didn't tell you about, but you, you're going to handle Bring this it on. easy. Okay, the way that we sign off here on The Fluent Show is always the same, which is my guest and I will say goodbye in different languages. And I usually say it's goodbye from me, goodbye. And then you get the last word and you get to say goodbye in any language of your choosing. So out of your nine languages, pick one now in your mind. And listeners, thank you so much for joining Maintenance Mode Fluent Show. <laughs> Fluent.show slash 242, it's going to be. And it is goodbye from me. And it is goodbye from my guest, Josh Goldsmith. Adeo, muchas gracias. And the Language Club. Woo! And that's it from Josh and from me. That's it from us. Thank you so much for listening to The Fluent Show. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk. Come on over and find me over there on Instagram at K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore fluent and at ailanguageclub.com. Bye.